All right, Buzz Buzz Babies, we are back for another episode of Blake's Buzz. And this week, we've got Ryland Grant. You may have heard of him from his new comic, Suicide Jockeys, which is just rocking all our socks right off. He's also a Kickstarter legend. He's put out Banjax, Aberrant, and the recent Peacekeepers. He also does a podcast called The Writer's Block, which has just been featured as a top 60 podcast on iTunes, which is pretty badass in my opinion. But I'm just a lowly podcaster, so my opinion may not matter. Just kidding, it does, or why would you be listening to me? Ryland, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fucking great. That was a that was a a spirited intro. I'm uh, <laughs> you know I'm still uh, early morning with my five year old, but now I'm uh, yeah now I'm, uh, I'm I'm ready to fight somebody. So nice. Let's get yeah. it done. I like I like to get. I got I had some coffee going as we talked about in the green room. I I was ready a long time ago, but I had, yeah. I, I actually got to I edited my podcast and did some blog work and it ended up working out. And I like it's Sunday, man. I don't Sundays are Sundays are for blogging and podcasting. That's yeah. That's yeah, that's my fun day. I, I don't have to run day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. If you, I'm a bigger guy. You, I don't. I don't do much running, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well. So what's um what's going on lately, man? I everybody's talking about this new comic, this this new this new mecha sort mecha kaiju time traveling shenanigans. Uh, I I think you're you're just kind of taking the world by storm, man. Suicide jockeys is, is on the tip of everybody's tongue. How's that feel? Uh, it's been received very well. Um, uh, it's great. We were I, I'm actually I uh, I was unable to attend uh, New York Comic Con this year. I'm a little bit devastated. Um, uh, because I have you know a, a five year old who you know obviously can't be vaccinated or whatever, and mm. so. Um, we're, you know, and, and she's in preschool and so we're being extra careful, you know, for her sake and for all the other kids sakes and stuff like that. So, um, so I am not at New York Comic Con, but uh, my publisher, Source Point Press, is the primary sponsor of the New York Comic Con. And they have this like freighter sized table right in the middle of all the action. <laughs> and there's like a 10 foot tall suicide jockeys, you know, uh, 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 standee down there. And um, the uh, the um, back of the house badge at New York Comic Con is the the regular uh, suicide jockeys one. I cover. saw that. Yeah. Um, so everybody who works at New York Comic Con is wearing a suicide jockeys cover around their neck and um my jacob way who is the uh the ceo of um of uh, of source point press um sent me a picture yesterday of ming chen uh from comic book men at the you know at the source point table wearing the suicide jockeys cover around <laughs> his neck so, so that was pretty cool that's that's a little bit surreal um it's it's cool to see that stuff but yeah i mean um uh i mean the book has um it's been uh received very well i you know we have i i i, I hesitate to say this but we have yet to receive a negative review um i'm i'm sure it's coming uh uh i'll knock on wood and you know knock on this and all that stuff uh but we haven't seen it yet everybody that reads it is getting it i mean even like you know i think like the worst review we got was like a an eight out of ten and if you read it it reads like a nine or a 9.5 out of ten or something like that and so everybody's just getting it and it's kind of like a you know so uh, uh suicide jockeys um is a uh it's a tokusatsu book for um for the uninitiated uh tokusatsu is the japanese sci-fi action genre that includes things like uh power rangers and super sentai and voltron oh. and all that fun stuff um, but it also includes kaiju fare like Godzilla. Um, and so, uh, in a nutshell, Suicide Jockeys is, um, it is tokusatsu for the modern American action movie audience. It is, um, Fast and the Furious meets Voltron 
but with kind of an extra dollop of, of heart and soul and um, some kind of, you know, interesting, challenging intellectual fare that we can get into and, in, you know, a little bit here, but, um, but yeah, so it is a, um, it is a howl at the moon. Good time. I mean, anybody that is uh, familiar with my other books, you know, Aberin and Banjax and the jump and uh, the peacekeepers, as you kind of outlined uh, 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 with the intro, um, my, my stuff is very much influenced by kind of eighties and nineties action fair. Um you know, I am a, I actually come from the film business. So um, I have spent my day job as I write movies and TV shows. I've spent about the last 15 years writing, uh, you know, film and television for folks like Ridley Scott and J.J. Abrams and Justin Lin and F. Gary Gray and John Woo and Luke Basson and 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 folks like that. Um, so it's kind of in my blood <laughs> and it's what I do day, day to day. But um, yeah, you know, it's like... Um, uh, you know, Die Hard and Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and Roadhouse. And, you know, these, uh, th this is my soul food, you know? So um, you'll see the DNA of, of that stuff and everything that I write. Um, yeah, you definitely but, have a vibe and I really dig it. Yeah. Like you, you can, the, your, your flavoring is like really with how different these stories are, you know, like mm -hmm. with like the being in the temporal plane and like outer body experiences and then like mecha time travel traveling and then your really interesting takes on like superheroes you know like they're wildly different but you have this really great like grantian tone that flows through each narrative that the more i read of your stuff is real easy to pick out and and i i mean i you're you're just a talented writer uh, i think that's where most of it comes from but i like how you can tell these different stories but you can still like tell they're from you yeah, well, that, that, that's a high compliment. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, you know, I think, uh, I think with anybody, you're looking to kind of find your voice, right? Um, um, and that's not easy to do. And, um, you know, it's really about getting your 10,000 reps. In, and that's the, um, I mean, if I've done anything, you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, I have, <laughs> I have not had to do anything else but write for about 16 years now. That's um, awesome. And, 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 and that's a gift. And, um, you know, I wake up every morning and, you know, my commute is, you know, takes me about 30 seconds. I can do it in my underwear. It's right down the hallway <laughs> i pop into this crazy office that you see here you're not using the video right so no one else can see this just th yeah, th this is all audio i'll, I'll yeah. use i mean i'll i'll screenshot you for the pro yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but um so uh you know I, I i have this room crazy room full of the toys i played with when i was a kid and i uh you know because the, the best stories I ever told i told uh when i was a kid with my with my toys. And so, you know, now I have them uh, in, in my office and I'm surrounded by them and I, I write and, and they talk to me and I write in this crazy thing. And, and so, yeah, that's what I do every day. And so, so yeah, you know, over time I've, I've, I've learned how to, you know, do this fairly well. And, but, but yeah, you know, I, I have found my voice and um, you know, whether it's, whether it's kind of more serious fair, like the jump or, or whether it is kind of, you know, more just kind of fun and, uh, you know, wink at the camera type stuff. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I think that's a, that's a great compliment. Thanks for saying that. Um, uh, yeah. And so the, you know, the, uh, suicide jockeys is kind of howl at the moon. Good fun. I mean, what it ended up being is, is you'll certainly see that, you know, that, 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 you know, that sort of diehardian sort of influence on it. But, um, when I write, I write in this office and I'll tilt down here. This is great radio, but I have a whole like VHS setup down there. And that, that whole, uh, that shelf down there is full of old VHS tapes. And so, so I come into my office, I pop an old VHS tape in just because I like the feel of it. When I was a kid, that was what I watched, right? And, um, and I just hey, nostalgia is powerful, man. Like it's a powerful <laughs> tool. 
<laughs> I have something on in the background at all times. And so um, while I was doing Suicide Jockeys, what I found myself kind of, um, you know, drawn to more than anything was this subgenre of action that we saw in kind of the mid to late 90s that was really obsessed with like machismo. And these like swinging dick heroes. And I'm talking about I'm talking about movies like fucking Con Air and The Rock and Face Off and Armageddon. Um, you know, uh, uh, again these these big swinging dick action movies. You know, um, and um, and so that was kind of seeping into me via osmosis as I was kind of writing this. And so you can see a lot of that. And you know, this is a big kind of like end of the world. You know. Uh, uh, you know, heroes standing between us and, 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 you know, the proverbial asteroid that's going to, you know, kill everything type story. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's really a commentary on those movies because, um, okay, Suicide Jockeys takes place in kind of two time planes, right? There was this big event that happened 10 years ago. The Suicide Jockeys were, they're this monster fighting team and they were the best in the business, right? Um, and for years, they, again, stood between, uh, you know, us and whatever meant us harm. Uh, 10 years ago, there's this mission that goes horribly wrong. They end up losing, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of this um, non-traditional family, the suicide jockeys, this, this monster fighting team. Um, and they lose the mother figure, right? Um, the, the team breaks apart in the wake, splinters. They all go to their separate corners. They say horrible things to each other. And so the book takes place in the present. 10 years later, somebody steps out of the shadows and says, hey, you know, that thing that went wrong 10 years ago, uh, we might have an opportunity to fix it. And so Denver, our, our, our sort of, you know, John McClane type protagonist has to kind of, you know, dust himself off, put the team back together and go out and bring mama home, right? Um, but he is this, he is this action hero from a different era. You know what I'm saying? He is that John McClane, you know, uh, sort of action hero. He is that Bruce Willis uh, out of a, a Michael Bay movie, you know, type action <laughs> hero and kind of like the poetry of the piece and, 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 and sort of the inherent character problem is that, well, he doesn't fit into today's culture, right? <laughs> this, this culture where like a lot of that stuff is not okay anymore. You know, machismo is not celebrated and, and we are a PC culture and we are an overly sensitive, uh, uh, a culture and so does this guy trying to sort of fit into all that trying to exist as a hero in this new age and um you know th there's a lot of fun to be had there um and, I, uh, can i just say uh, i i died when he uh when he takes his pants off and takes a piss on the stage when he's drunk <laughs> at comic-con like or it's not it's not comic-con but it's 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 you know like hero con <laughs> in milwaukee yeah yeah he, he, <laughs> I, 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 I believe the exact the exact line is that he went on a a, a boone's farm fueled uh tirade <laughs> and called and called the con organizers jesus freaks <laughs> so yeah uh, but 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 yeah I mean, he, he has his moments and he's kind of gold as a character and he's he's a lot of fun to write um but you know what's um it, it's it, it's funny i mean you, you get into the creation of this thing and um I mean, there's an interesting story behind the story, um, you know, which, which, you know, is, is not, not easy to pick up, I guess, when you're reading it. But, um, so I call this thing, I call this thing Fast and the Furious meets, meets Voltron, right? And, 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 and I mean that very earnestly. Um, so, you know, we were looking to do again, tokusatsu for the modern Amer uh, American action movie audience. And so, um, when I say we, there is this guy, Brad Warner, who, um, uh, I don't know why I'm looking for it. They're not gonna be able to see it, but, um, there, uh, one of the, um, one of the, uh, uh, sort of least explored lines in my resume is that I happen to be an ordained Soto Zen Buddhist monk. Um, we don't have to go too deep into that. Uh, most, most of what that means is that I meditate a lot. I teach people to meditate a couple of times a year. I, I go to a Zen center in the mountains and, you know, for three, five, seven days, whatever, I go on these silent retreats. 
Um, there was another guy named Brad Warner who who kind of helped me co-conceive Suicide Jockeys. And he is another ordained Soto Zen Buddhist monk. And um, he uh, he happens to be like a, a pretty noteworthy author in his own right. Um, he is kind of like one of the like sort of preeminent Zen authors in America. Um, he, he's written, I don't know, probably a dozen books, but, um, the, the best known book is called hardcore Zen. And it's kind of the, the modern American, you know, Zenny's technical manual. It's sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies and it's on Amazon. If you're interested in meditation at all, go grab it. Um, uh, but Brad studied Zen for years in Japan, uh, Soto Zen and brought it over. Soto Zen is a, a Japanese, uh, sect. And while he was over there, um, his day job was he made monster movies. He, he worked for a company called um, uh, Zubria Productions, which was founded by the guy who created Godzilla. Um, and they, they, they've made tokusatsu shows for decades. They are best known for doing all the Ultraman stuff. So for about 12 years, Brad worked in Japan uh, as a producer, as an executive on Ultraman. And so um, one of my claims to fame, uh, you know, again, uh, having written in Hollywood for, for, you know, 15 plus years is uh, I have written for the directors of six of the nine Fast and the Furious movies at this point. So wow. um so when I say Fast and the Furious meets Voltron, um, I, I very much had the Fast and the Furious thing uh, <laughs> uh, handled. And uh, when I say Voltron, you know, Brad, again, was a uh, was a, a producer on Ultraman for 12 years. So he very much had that. And so we kind of came together to conceive this. And it came together, you know, uh, Brad and I go on retreat together a lot, um, you know, a couple of times a year. And um, retreats are, you know, you're meditating for like 12 hours. You don't get to talk a whole lot. <laughs> They're silent. But in the times that we would get to talk, we, we, we'd get to, you know, compare notes. And it's like, oh, I love this. And I love that. We both grew up loving tokusatsu, him a little bit more than me because he moved to Japan to make it. Um, but we all loved it and, uh, we get to talk and it's like, okay, well, why isn't this big here? Why doesn't it get its due? You know, it's like, it has, it's kind of like niche, uh, audience, but mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, Ultraman is the biggest show in the world, hands down. It's not even, not even an argument and it has been for forever, but it's not, it's not big here. And why is yeah. that? And, and, and we just got into discussing that, like, why isn't it cool? Why isn't it? And, and how do we make it cool? And it was like, okay, well, well, why don't we try to do tokusatsu for those people that love the fast and the furious? And so we kind of found this formula to do it. And so, and so that's what we were trying to do here. And it is kind of this howling mad good time. Uh, but there is this other layer because this thing was co-conceived by two Soto Zen Buddhist monks at a, at a Buddhist retreat in the mountains. <laughs> um, and so um, all of the big hairy existential questions that we wrestle with in Zen, like, you know, who am I, why am I here? Meaning of life, uh, uh, intersection of time and space and all of these things, all of that stuff gets explored and legislated in kind of a fun heightened way in this book so it's like um there was something for like you know the howling mad assholes like you and i who just <laughs> love having fun with our comics but there was also this intellectual meal to be had in this very kind of interesting you know uh i don't know spiritual scientific conversation going on in here also so um and 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 that that kind of ramps up as the book goes along uh issue three it's 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 very prevalent i think that's our best issue but um yeah yeah that's cool man so i was um I was really impressed with, you know, the, the howling mad good time of it, but also like, it's, it's very emotional, like, you know, dealing with the death of the character, the whole idea of like, you know, what, what would you do if you could go back and change it? I mean, we all think that about, you know, several crucial points of our lives, you know, like, what if I had a time machine? What if I could go back and change things, you know, let alone like a, a massive catastrophic event that 
it affected the world, you know, but yeah. I also really like how it deals with betrayal. You know, these teammates that like th that fought together and, and lost so much and, and also gained. So, you know, some of them gained a lot, you know, like they, mm -hmm. their, their new careers now and fames and fortunes and stuff and how like that, that splintering and the betrayal and, and how they're dealing with that. And, and now how they're like all thrown in the same room together, like after all this yeah. time apart, like that's, I think, the the dramatics are really working uh in this just as much as the action just as much as the phenomenal art and the premise um it's it's a lot more than just like a time travel story or a, you know like a, a, a your traditional kaiju tale you know it's because yeah. i'm i'm easy to please man you give me big robots and, and a giant fucking monster <laughs> dude i'm yeah. there for it uh, but I mean, yeah, I love the the other stuff that you've got going on, and and again, you know, not to like toot your horn too much, but I I mean, that's that's you're showing your chops as a writer, and yeah, toot it's away. interesting. <laughs> I didn't think you'd get too mad, but you know, like, but I, <laughs> it's it's interesting. So. I, I recently talked to Brian Edward Hill, who's a, another mm. uh, uh, favorite writer of mine, yeah, and he does too. he does a lot of meditation too. And so, mm. like, uh, do you does that help? I mean, does it help, like, you know, to kind of like clear your mind of like the bullshit and the the nonsense? And I mean, does that help you? Do you I mean, you've had a lot of success writing. You know, you've worked on a lot of you've worked on a lot of big Hollywood stuff. Uh, you know, people really like your comics, and like like you said, man, almost almost two decades of you just slaying away at it. Yeah. Do, do you think like, I mean, does that, does that help you get into the mind space, you know, like uh, kind of focus on your own voice through meditation stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, there is a, you have to clear space to write. And, um, and, you know, I mean that in like, in the today sense. And I mean that in like the greater, like your lifetime sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I've been, um, God, yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been wrestling with Zen one way or another for, I don't know, at least 20 years, very seriously for the last 15 or so. And, um, you know, here's the thing is like, I was, um, I was like a scared kid in my early twenties, like halfway through AFI. The, I, I went to grad school at the American Film Institute Conservatory, which is where like David Lynch studied and Darren Aronofsky and a bunch of other kind of yeah. snooty directors. And I'm halfway through, you know, I'm halfway through AFI and I get, I get hired by Penelope Cruz to uh, write a script with um, this director, Fernando Treba, who had just won the Oscar for foreign language film with Bella Poke. And, um, and that was, you know, that was my first, that was my first writing gig, you know? And so overnight I'm wow. pitching to, I'm pitching to Penelope Cruz, like <laughs> at the Chateau Marmont as a scared, you know, a kid in his early twenties, I'm writing with this Oscar winning director. And then I'm like up at Penelope's house for her birthday in Ashton and Demi Moore across the table from me and my wife. Dude, that's my, crazy. And, you know, all this crazy shit. And so, but, but, you know, and suddenly I have money and suddenly, you know, you get attention from this and attention from that. And just short and sweet, I did not handle it well. You know, I was, a, I was, a, it was a fucking, you know, it was like running into a brick wall at, you know, at 70 miles an hour. Um, and so, you know, and then also, oh, we don't need to go too far into it, but, you know, grown up was not easy, you know? Yeah. I mean, we all, we all have our demons, right? I mean, I grew up in a housing project in Detroit and it was fucking war every day and, uh, you know, three alcoholic parents and all sorts of craziness. And so it's like, I never really had the opportunity to stop and deal constructively with any of that stuff, right? Um, and, um, that can, our demons can overwhelm us, right? Um, what 15 years, 20 years of Zen practice has done is allowed me to kind of stop and actually sort through all of that stuff. And, um, 
we spend all of our time running from that stuff. Um, but what happens is every so often you end up tripping, all that shit catches up to you, beats the hell out of you, ends up being this kind of like crater in your life, right? Uh, whether it's personally, professionally, whatever. Um, all, all of this, you know, all of that practice helped me kind of stop and diffuse that massive bomb, you know, to a certain degree. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 100% clear and clean of all of this stuff, but I know how to manage it now. Okay. Um, I know how to not let it kick the crap out of me. And I, I, I know how to also like all of this stuff that you're seeing. I mean, you, 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 you hit it right on the head where it's like, we're, I mean, we pitch this as, oh, wow, it's a fun tokusatsu romp with like monsters and mecha and stuff like that. And that stuff is there, but it's very much in the background, right? I mean, there isn't like, there's a monster on the cover of issue two, but I don't know that there's an actual monster in the story. Like we might flash back to one or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But it's mm-hmm. not... You know, every issue you read is not, oh, we're going to fight a monster. We will have that. We will have that issue down the line. But it's like, this is really about, okay, well, we fought monsters in the past and it caused all of this personal turmoil in this family. I mean, this, this, uh, this book is first and foremost, a Boogie Nights style examination of a a non-traditional family, right? And all of, all of the horrible things that, I mean, here's the thing, like you could say the worst thing you, uh, you can think of right now, um, uh, to me and it it wouldn't, it it wouldn't hurt me that badly. Right. Like we're, you know, I mean, like, I, 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 I love your site. I love your podcast. You, you, you've read my books. You love my books. Like, but we're still kind of meeting each other, right? We're getting to know each other. We're not like, we, we do not have the agency to hurt each other. Like a family member could, no one can hurt you like your family, Mm -hmm. you know, they, that's that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, they know the, they know the ins and outs, and 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 it's it's what you were talking about is like okay, well, well, these people know each other like better than any uh, you know better than anyone could possibly uh, know anyone. They've been through hell together. They have uh, they have been there for each other. They have stabbed each other in the back. They have done all you know. There there's a lifetime of kind of baggage that these people are now dealing with. And what they did was they ran from it for ten years, and now they're slammed back together. They've dealt with none of it, and now they have to deal with it. And so, I mean, I think. I I think you're seeing it. I mean, it's like, um, uh, I ran from my shit for a long time. Uh, and, and it, it leveled me and the Zen practice was about, okay, well, I can't run from this now. I have to stop and I have to unpack all this shit and I have to deal seriously with it. It's what a lot of the writing is. I mean, I, 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 you know, you're, you're talking about seeing it where it's like, well, writing for me is, it is about entertaining people. It is about having fun, but more than that, it's about getting my personal demons in a room and beating the shit out of them. Mm. Um, and, and working through them. It's my therapy to a certain degree. And so I do that on the page and, um, it's meaningful to me, but, but the biggest thing is when I get, you know, messages from readers who are like, wow, the shit that you're talking about in this issue, like, you know, my dad died uh, a couple of years ago and we didn't say all this shit to each other. And so reading this on the page, it was, it was very meaningful to me. I actually started crying while I read it. And it's like, and they're talking about an action comic book you know (laughs) um but 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 they're seeing it they're seeing that i'm that i'm i'm trying to go a step further with it you know it's like it's almost like this is a this this kaiju mecha book is a ruse to get you to read a family drama you know um (laughs) and 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 it's never hit as hard with um you know with 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 aberrant um you know my first book which is about it's about a special operations commander who um who loses his entire unit to a superhuman attack. And basically what it does is it kind of, it reimagines our world. Um, you know, if, if, if people with superpowers existed, how would our geopolitics and how would our military military necessarily change because of that? And it tries to look at that in a very serious way, but at its heart, it is about a soldier and it is about a, a, this special operations, uh, a, a, a team, um, you know, that, that, you know, was kind of wrecked by this tragedy. 
Um, and, you know, and, and then it's also a hollow and good time also uh, on top of that and a, a political thriller on top of that. But, you know, again, it is about it is a, a personal drama about these soldiers, really. And so, you know, the best emails I get is when, you know, a guy who did two tours in Afghanistan messages me and he says, man, you you got us right. You know, you, nice. you did us you did us a tribute by writing this book. And that's awesome. And like, that, that's the kind of shit I strive for. Um, but, but, but yeah, then uh, with the Zen practice stuff, like on a daily basis, getting back to your question. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like life piles up, you know what I'm saying? Like there's only so much room, only so much bandwidth in your, in your <laughs> mind, in your soul to actually accomplish things. And it gets recently, it got, you know, it got a lot crazier for me because it's like, you know, in a God, in a, um, you know, over the course of like a year, my wife and I, we lost two dogs, uh, one to cancer. One was killed randomly by a coyote. Oh, um, we, we bought a house, <laughs> um, uh, 10 days later, our daughter came two weeks early. Um, and, uh, and so we are living in a new place with a mortgage and a baby and our dogs are gone. And like life is life looked one way. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a <laughs> yeah, lot. And then, yeah. And then a year later, it looked crazy different. And then at the same time, my comic career has taken off. I had this full-time job as a, a film TV writer, but now I have this full-time comics thing going on too. And I, so I have twice as much work, half the time to do it. Um, and again, hit a brick wall to a certain degree. What helps you unpack stuff like that is is the daily practice. Um, and and you manage it. It helps in the moment. Like I'm losing my fucking mind right now and there's no way that I'm going to be able to write something. But you sit down, you know, you kind of clear a space, you clear your head and you sit, you meditate for, you know, whatever it is, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And at the end, there is space. You have cleared space to do this work, right? Um, so that, that that works in a micro, but then on a macro is you, you put days together. You do that every day, twice a day for how long. And all of that shit that I'm talking about that clutters up your life, you are creating space it, 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 you know, at the macro level in your life to deal with the, the interpersonal shit, the tragedies, the... Um, you know, suddenly I feel like we get leveled by tragedy because there is not room for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All that shit that I just talked about and you, and you, you have your same shit that takes up space in your life. Um, but then, you know, again, a relative dies or your fucking roof caves in or whatever. And there is no space for any of that. And it just lays everything to waste. Well, if you can tend the garden over time and leave space open, you know, <laughs> and so when the roof caves in, there is a massive spot in your life for that to land. Okay. Um, uh, uh, then it's not the wrecking ball that it, that it can and usually, you know, is. Uh, um, and so, so yeah, so, I mean, I think for me that that's what, it, that's what it's about is like, it's about clearing space. It's about, you know, and you're working on reactivity. Um, you're, you're working on, you know, just, I mean, inner peace sounds lame, but, but, but it's there. It sounds uh, lame, but in reality, it's amazing. And when you have that, even if it's for brief moments in time, like, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, here's the thing is like the, the ultimate fallacy of any of this practice is that like, is that you become enlightened and you stay there or something like that, you know, that, that, that you achieve inner peace. It's like, okay, well, yesterday I achieved inner peace. And so now for the rest of my life, I'm just walking around with inner peace, you know, so fuck you guys. I got this inner peace. Um, uh, uh, what, 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 what Zen practice is about, uh, uh, at least from my perspective is, um, you find that place, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it enlightenment. You want to call it inner piece, you want to call it wisdom, um, you find out where it is, right? And and really the act of meditation is just about coming back to it over and over again. Okay. So so you're sitting in this space, right? And you, you, you've kind of, you know, 
again, like a, the fallacy is, okay, well, I don't have any thoughts running through my head. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm sitting there and I, I am, my mind is completely clear for, for 30 minutes. That, that That's not, not what happens. You sit down, you're just trying to be here and now, right? Mm. Just right now, this minute, you're trying to be right here and not with anything else. Um, and that is your, that is your place of inner peace. That is your place of wisdom. That's your place of enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. Well, what happens is then you start to think about that movie that you watched yesterday, right? And you get far away from it. The act of meditation, <laughs> meditation is not about that not happening. The act of meditation is realizing, oh shit, I'm thinking about that movie, letting go of the movie and coming back to that place, oh, right? Okay. And then you start to, and then you start to make a grocery list and you're like, oh shit, I'm making a grocery list again. You <laughs> let go of it, you come back, right? And, and so the act of meditation is just about coming back over and over and over again, letting go of garbage and coming back, right? And then, and so you practice that again, for 30 minutes every day or twice a day or whatever. And then you get really good at coming back. Right. Um, And so you're out on the freeway and that asshole cuts you off and you start to fly off the handle and you realize, Oh shit, I'm flying off the handle. What am I doing? You let go of it. Just like you've practiced a million fucking times and you come back to your place. Right. Um, And so you have this like very amazing tool in your box just to come back to your place. So it's like, so getting back to the work, like when life is fucking hairy and your five-year-old's going crazy and you, you got to get this done and this done and this done, but then you have two hours to get that comic issue, you know, uh, revised or whatever, you know, you realize, okay, well I got to let go of all this other shit and I got to come to my happy place and I got to sit down and knock this out. And so for two hours, you know, you're, you're in that place or you can easily come back to that place when you need to. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I got a little, you know, got a little kooky there, but, but that's what it's about for me. No, man, you know? I'm, I'm like blown away right now. Cause it, I, I, one of my buddies a while back that I used to work with told me that I should, that I focused on the wrong things sometimes and, and meditation would benefit me. And I didn't, I don't really know a lot about it. And like right now, um, you know, I have, I have a day job and, and the podcast is starting to gain steam and, and, you know, like the blog and, and it, I have a hard time balancing things like yeah. work makes me tired. Uh, booking for the podcast takes time. I run, I, I have less time to write reviews. And, and mm-hmm. so like, just kind of trying to like find a balance and, and, and also know that like, I'm not going to be able to review every comic that gets released every week, like, yeah. you know, like, but I still feel like when people like send me review copies and I don't get to them fast enough, like I like that Catholic guilt sets in and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, I'm letting everybody down, but no, like, th- it's it, like ruining I'm, like, everything. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like wildly interested in this just because like, I don't like it. It just, I just feel uh, cluttered and, and uh, yeah. like, a, I feel like a running clusterfuck sometimes. <laughs> it would be cool to, to think about these things that are weighing on me and to, to push them away for a little bit and, and focus on the now and, and to, to learn how to do that. Cause I, I definitely do not know how to do that. Yeah. Well, we don't take the time to sort through ourselves, you know, uh, uh, often enough. And, and it's, you know, it's what a meditation practice is. You're making an appointment with yourself once a day or twice a day to like, just check in with yourself, to deal with yourself. And it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily even mean like, 
yeah, you know, changing, you know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes just, I mean, re really what meditation is about, again, it's about being here, being with whatever is here, right here, right now. Right. And so like, and so that doesn't mean necessarily trying to change it. It's like, if you are anxious that day, you just sit with your anxiety. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not about trying to push your anxiety out. Um, uh, it is about, okay, sitting, it, it is about watching, you know, watching yourself. So hmm. it, it, here's what happens is like, um, let's talk about that anxiety. Uh, or anger or, or any of these strong emotions that we feel like um, that we label as negative. Um, here's the thing. Let, let's go with anger because it's an easy one. People think, oh, anger is a negative thing. I, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I shouldn't be angry. It's a negative emotion. I should try to push anger away. I should try to ignore it. That's the wrong way to think about it, right? Um, any meaningful change that has happened in our world has happened because someone was fucking pissed off, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, you, you, you know, I, I, um, I mean, literally, anything like you know uh, uh i mean any human rights action anything um and so anger is this double-edged sword like um it, anger is a fire um it can burn out of control and consume us right uh which is what everybody's worried about but it can also be harnessed and, and it can send it and if harnessed correctly it can send us to the fucking moon right so like so anger is a tool um so you know, get to know it and get to watch it. And, and, and the, the, this is what happens is like, you usually, okay. Anger is this fire. Right. Um, and usually what happens is we try to push against it. We, we, we fight with it. We create more tension around it. Really what we're doing is we're taking a giant can of gasoline and pouring it all, <laughs> all over that fire. That's what's happening is like, we're putting more negative energy into this negative fucking void that we already have. And then it burns out of control and it consumes us. And that's the problem. That's what we all do every day. Well, meditation is just about, okay, I'm, I, I, I'm not pushing against this, this, this little fire at all. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to fucking watch it. Right. And what happens with fire is like, is if you sit there and watch it and you don't feed it at all, eventually it, it just out. kind of burn, just burns itself out. Right. Um, yeah. And the longer you do that, the more quickly the fire burns out, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I, I think that that's a good thing. And, and for me, a lot of it was like, you know, again, I grew up in, I grew up in a fucking terrible place with terrible shit happening all the time. And so, and so when I got spit out of there, you know, grew up in this kind of small postage stamp of, of this world, like a very specific place, like a housing project in Detroit where it's fucking war. But then I end up going to the university of Michigan, which is like this, you know, large, like, uh, you know, um, you know, friendly, amazing institution, very different environment, but, you know, uh, going to war every day in Detroit, Riley gets put there, you know, and then I move out <laughs> to Los Angeles, you know, and going to war Riley from Detroit is out in Los Angeles now. Um, uh, I had to unmake a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, uh, I don't want to compare myself to a soldier in war, but it's a similar thing where it's like, okay, well, um, you grow up in fucking Kansas or whatever, and then you get sent to Afghanistan and 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 you're handed a, a rifle and, and it's like, okay, well, kill those people because they're going to try to kill you. The rules are different there. Yep. You, you need programming to stay alive and to to operate in that uh, in that you know area, right? And in that version of your life. But then you come back home, right? And then you got to learn you how to live you, again. Yeah. You got to learn to live it. You don't need that stuff anymore. So so I. I think that to a certain degree, that's a very extreme, uh, extreme case. Obviously, we all have a version of that where it's like we're um, we have been programmed up to now to live a certain way. And we have all of this stuff that is unnecessary. I mean, I know I do. And so meditation is a lot about watching, just watching yourself, watching your tendencies. You 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 learn to watch yourself and then you start to see your programming, you know, like uh, 
for years, when I was on the, on, on that freeway, I always go back to the freeway. I don't know why driving is a big thing for me. When I was on that freeway, when somebody cut me off, the program ran. I, I wasn't making a choice to fly off the handle and scream at him and, and, and whatever. Um, it just happened. My programming, it was just as soon as it happened, a program booted, booted up and I went crazy. Um, I did not make the choice to go crazy. Um, I was a slave to it to a certain degree. But what the meditation has allowed me to do is it just taught me to watch. And so the guy cuts me off and I, I can see, I can see the program booting up, right? And when you can see the program booting up, you can then make a decision to not run the program. You can be like, oh, wow, that's coming up. I don't need to do that. Hmm. Again, this, you know, let me, let me just toss that to the side and let me just watch this thing unfold. And then nothing happens and the world didn't end. And, and <laughs> the people in the car with you who, who, who weren't the ones that cut you off, don't have to listen to you acting like an idiot and all of these things. And, 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 and you do that. And then when you can see your programming, you can start to edit your programming, you know, um, uh, you can, you can take all of that shit that you're holding on to that you don't really need in your life anymore. You can kind of toss it aside and you can kind of practice other shit. You can replace it with stuff that's more, more meaningful. Um, and yeah, man, like writing every day is hard. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't have to punch a clock. I don't have a boss sitting over my shoulder yeah. telling me, well, you got to get this done by four or else it's like, I wake up and I can write or I can go play fucking video games. I can, you know, I can drink myself into oblivion. I can you know, do whatever. I can literally do whatever the fuck I feel like. Right. Um, but, but, but if I want to write, I, if I want to be a writer and be a success and put out books that people like and movies that people like, then I have to sit down and write every day. I had to will myself to do that. I had to teach myself to do that. It wasn't easy. I, 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 I failed for the first couple of years. Um, but I don't know, kind of, you know, dedicating myself to all of this and kind of with the help of some of these other things I'm doing, I, I sort of found a way now it's just, just what I do. You know, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I came from an, I was an MFA dropout. So I was in you an know? MFA creative writing program and I got, I mean, like I, I got to my thesis and mm -hmm. I was a, I was a bouncer at, at the time. Um, nice. I, was, I was a bouncer for like seven years and, and I was partying like all the time. I was drinking way too much. I was doing a lot of stupid shit and I wasn't writing. I was skipping my classes a lot. And, and then I lost, I lost the job. And then uh, the student loan people came after me, you know, cause they're like, yeah. I like quit going to class and lost my job. And I was like depressed and bummed and, which is funny because I look back now and like losing my job saved my life. Like right within like the year of like losing my job, like I wrecked a car and like I did some stupid shit. And so like getting out of that bar was like huge. And, yeah. but at, you know, at the time it was like, you got fired and you're a failure and you can't pay your bills. And yeah, my, you know, the, the student loan people were calling my, were calling my parents cause they co-signed and, and they were like, uh, and so, you know, like that, that guilt like gets at you. Um, but yeah, so I, I quit writing for a long time, uh, partly cause of being just totally numb to the world from like booze and shit. And then yeah. from being depressed and then, I recently started writing again as just for the blog and just writing reviews. And, and, you know, like part of me, the, I mean, I have, I have a dream, like I really would love to write, you know, a comic script one day. And my thesis advisor used to like give me shit about it. Cause I was, he, he liked my writing and he liked my short stories. And I always told him, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'd love to do write a comic book. And he was like, what do you want to write a comic book for? So like grad, grad school kind of did some weird stuff to me too. Yeah, I learned a ton. Yeah. I learned a ton, yeah. but it, it, was, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's weird. Right. I mean, yeah. a lot of people have really intense 
criticisms and opinions of MFA programs. Uh, and some, yeah. some people like come out of them and, and, uh, you know, learn a lot and it works well for them. And, and some people come out of them with a lot of debt, not knowing what they're yeah. going to do, but yeah. So it's, it's just like, you know, now I'm like, I'm starting to kind of write again. I'm starting to get, you know, some ideas and, and talking to writers and creatives all the time. Like I'm so yeah. lucky to get to do this and, and it's like getting me excited to create yeah. stuff again. But then like, you know, like, like we talked about things get cluttered and, and balance is an issue. And I'm just trying to learn how to like, I'm really trying to learn how to separate like things that I enjoy with my occasionally stressful day job is, mm -hmm. is where I get mixed up in. And, and I, a couple, like I've now heard from like a few people that like meditation and, and that just kind of like taking a break and focusing on you is, is like super beneficial. And, and again, like it's, I, I'm one of those people that I get really nervous when I don't know how to do something. And, yeah. and so like, you know, it's like, how do you learn to meditate? Like, do you, you know, do you, do you watch a YouTube video or do you, do you read a, do you read a book like this hardcore Zen, you know, like it, I, I get like real hung up on stuff like that. And then, and then you yeah. get like, you get stuck, right. You like stay here and you don't pick a direction. Yeah. That's, that's one of my biggest faults is I get, I get confused and then I'm like, eh, and then, and then I back away yeah. from, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's very easy to tell yourself, oh, I don't have time for it. You know, I'm so busy that I don't have time for it. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember which Zen teacher said it, but there's a, um, there's a, a quote that, that flies around in Zen circles a lot. Um, uh, some big wig teacher a long time ago said, try to sit for 30 minutes every day, unless you're too busy, then sit 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and it, 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 it really helps clear space. And, and I mean, you, you it's something that I've, I've realized. I mean, I, I've worked myself to the nub and worked myself into the fucking ground and um, you got to take time for you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's a, you'll, you'll be a lot better off if you, kind of pace yourself but i think the i mean i think the writing is um the writing's important i i mean listening listening to everything you said and thanks for sharing that it's really interesting stuff um we have similar backgrounds i mean my 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 parents ran bars and clubs my whole life um so i you know i grew up in bars and and yeah my you know my uh you know a high school wrestler and stuff like that and so my you know my my job uh you know, when I came back, uh, on summers, uh, for college was like bouncing in my dad's bar, like, you know, oh, similar wow. <laughs> thing. And, um, you know, three of my four parents were, or had, you know, pretty significant alcohol issues that impacted me. And then I had my own alcohol issues later. And, um, and, and that's not easy to, none of that is easy to deal with. Um, it sounds to me like you have some shit to say, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, <laughs> a, it's, it's the kind of beauty of all of this stuff is like, um, you know, I mean, there, there are people that, that haven't had to struggle, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so I think when they sit down and try and write something, it, it becomes, because then imitating stuff they've seen rather than, mm. than, than writing about very real, like personal drama, you know, having some insight on it. It's like, um, I mean, you open this thing up by saying, yeah, this is a fucking kaiju comic, but you're actually, you're saying something about the human condition with it. Right. And I don't think, I don't think there are, there aren't a ton of us who can do it. You know what I'm saying? And I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to sound like an asshole or, or, or like an egotistical idiot when I say that. Really, what I'm saying is that I just get the sense that you're one of the people that can do it. And, you know, I mean, there's a reason there's a reason why I'm on this podcast is because here's the thing is like I, I read a lot of coverage about my books. Right. Um, uh, and and so, some of it is good. Most of most of it is, you know, is <laughs> there's a range. Right. <laughs> 
uh, I read your fucking reviews and I was howling, man. Like, yeah, you, you, you. You, awesome. you got it. You got a gift with words. It doesn't surprise me at all that you're in, in a fucking MFA writing program. Like you got chops, you know? And so, uh, and so do it. And it sounds like, um, you know, it sounds like the pod and the reviews and everything like that's soul food, but, um, you definitely have comics in you, man. And, um, uh, uh, so do it and do it now. And it's, um, you know, here's the thing is like when I was, um, God, I mean, six plus years ago, um, you know, I was trying to figure out how to, how to do this, you know, and I, I, I wasn't an alien to, to, to writing, to creating, I had been writing in Hollywood for a long time, but comics were my, my first love always. Um, and, um, and, you know, I actually tried to write, I tried to do a comic book back in college, but, um, but the landscape was so different, you know, I mean, it was like, this is kind of before the digital workflow we have now and all this stuff. And it was like, um, you, you were dealing with physical drawings, right? Okay. You had to, you had to basically, you know, this is before social media, you had to like know a, an artist in your, in your, uh, your community and where do you find a colorist and mm. how do you do You know, and so tried and failed, um, cut to now, right. Um, cut to, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it has never been more possible now, uh, to do this. Right. Um, I, I, I always have to stop myself from saying it's never been easier because it's, it's never easy. Obviously <laughs> like this is like a, this is a daily kick in the fucking, uh, you know, in the, in the junk, but in a lot of ways, but it's very, uh, a very rewarding kick in the junk if that's possible, but it's never <laughs> been more, <laughs> it's never been more possible because like, because of digital workflow, because of, of, of this, this online community we have, like five years ago, uh, it got like a shit ton easier. And so, um, so I decided that I wanted to, to, to do this and it's like, okay, well the landscape is completely different. Like you have these, um, you have these online communities. Like if you go to connecting comic book writers and artists on, on Facebook, it has 32,000 members. Oh, wow. And basically, basically what it is, is it's like a gallery of artists from all around the world posting like amazing shit, you know? And of course it runs the gamut. You have some great artists, you have some, not, some artists who are still learning and everything in between. Um, but you can find collaborators fucking everywhere and, 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 and at your budget. And, um, and, and so, you know, cut to a couple of years later and I mean, I have, I've released five books already. <laughs> I have another like three or four in production in various stages. Um, I have artists working for me in Brazil and Mexico and Hungary. Um, uh, I've worked with people in Portugal. My, one of my go-to colorists is in Indonesia. My letterer is in the UK. Um, some of these guys don't even speak English. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I send them notes. It goes into Google translate. They get about 95 to 97% of what I'm after right off the bat. Sometimes that final two or 3% can be a little difficult, but you know, we, we have a shorthand. Now we work through it. I pay them all exclusively via PayPal. Um, um, uh, uh, there is a digital workflow, um, revisions come like that very easily. We're trading massive files via Dropbox. Um, it is a new fucking age, you yeah. know? And so if you want to do this, you can do it and you can start tomorrow and get it fucking going, you know? Um, and it's not even a mystery to like, there is so much information out there just in terms of like, I mean, you already have writing down. You, 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 you've done the hard part where like, like you, you have a voice. You talked about my voice, you read your site and you have a voice already. Right. So apply that voice to whatever, right. Um, uh, you understand dramatic structure because you have studied this shit. Um, so you have the difficult things out of the way. Now it becomes, okay, well, how do I, you know, 
what sandbox do I have to play in for comics? Right. Um, and you can, you know, just, there's tons of good information out there. What I recommend to everybody is, you know, who Jim Zub is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jim Zub did a couple of great image books and, uh, you know, now he does a lot of Marvel shit. Um, but, um, Jim Zub has a website called jimzub.com, uh, where he, a lot of amazing information on, on just comic book creation and, um, he goes into like, you know, budgeting and, and, and issue attrition and all of these like really amazing concepts that are, I think are important to know for any, uh, 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 creative, um, getting into this thing. But if you go to his website on the right side of the website, if you scroll down, there's a tutorial section and, and he has these really great short write-ups on, on pitching, on outlining, on scripting. And he has a, uh, a script template there and everything. And so it's like a, a guy with the skill set that you have, you could go to Jim Zub's website. You could for, you know, in a half hour, read a couple of articles and you would be off to the races in terms of, uh, of, you know, getting your comic script started. Wow. Um, so, so do it. And then, you know, and then after that, it's like, um, man, with what's going on in Kickstarter now, I mean, it's, uh, there's such an opportunity there. And it, you know, it used to be that if you crowdfunded a project, then that would, that would kind of eliminate your, your comic shop, uh, uh, opportunities, but that's not the case. Anymore. Yeah. Like, it's totally different now. Yeah. Really smart companies like Scott comics. They're kind of using uh crowdfunding as, as like a, a farm system, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, okay, well, if you, if you did well on Kickstarter, you're probably going to do pretty damn well in a comic shop. Also, um, let us use that. And, um, I mean, Scout Comics, like they've done so well with it. I mean, and they loved it so much that they took two Kickstarter legends and they made them their co-publishers, Charlie Stickney. Yeah. And, and you know, um, and, uh, and so, um, so man, yeah, it's, and it's like, you got two separate audiences there. I mean, it was part of the reason that I, I started to do some crowdfunding also was like, well, you have, um, there is, and there are people that only buy their, their comics in a comic shop. And there are people that only buy their comics on Kickstarter. And there is crossover, of course, but there is much less than you think there is, um, is what I was what I discovered. Um, and so you have this massive, you know, enthusiastic uh, audience on Kickstarter that's hungry for shit like this. Um, and so my revelation, I, I, I did three Kickstarters, you know, over the course of a year, like basically this past year. And what I realized is that as a creator, if you're not servicing both, audiences you're doing yourself and i guess more importantly you're doing your like your title a disservice by not doing that so there is no reason now if you're doing a um a a creator owned book not to start on kickstarter do some crowdfunding make some money because (laughs) here's a newsflash you do not make money putting you know uh uh, creator owned uh uh books and comic shops for the most part (laughs) um i make my money when they you know uh aberrant aberrant like two weeks before issue two hit newsstands it was option for tv and you know they paid me to uh, okay. you know start writing the pilot and the bible and stuff like that so you know that that you know that's when i start to make money <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know but but I'm, you can go to kickstarter and you can make you can make you know you can make good money um and so uh uh you know there are people that their entire business is putting comics on kickstarter um you know, and then there's, and then there's real deal comic, you know, shop success after that. So, um, so yeah, do it, man. That's man. That's I, thank you, by the way. Like I've, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned, like I mentioned earlier, like I learn a lot from these interviews, but like, I, I, this is like, this is the part of like what I imagined grad school would be like. I get more from mm-hmm. like doing this podcast than I did like in three yeah. years of the graduate program. Just I get, well, Hey, I get to talk to more creatives than like my classmates and our professors and the occasional like guest lecturer. But I mean, yeah, that's just, 
I, I appreciate it. I, I told, uh, so like my dad and I are cool now. Like we, we weren't always like, uh, we, I, we didn't always have like that great relationship, but like, you know, when I was a kid, he showed me comics, he wasn't into them. Him and my mom would fight and he would leave and like, take me, like he would get out of the house, you know, and take me to a comic shop and, and let me get a couple comics and to kind of get me out of the house and stuff. And yeah, they're, they're better now and th things are better now, but, uh, we, I I showed him so like not to get like too cheesy, but when when you like re reacted to the review of Suicide Jockeys, I like I showed my dad and and he looked at it and my dad's like older and since he had heart surgery a few years ago, he, he's an easy crier, right? Yeah. And so okay. like I, I show him your review and and he tears up and he goes he goes I'm really proud of you and then I cried and I was just I was like God damn it man like I was like this is just you know weird but so yeah like. I just, I really appreciate it. Uh, the, the feed, the feedback just, I mean, I get a kick out of it when people just retweet my reviews, like let alone get excited yeah. of them and, and say like, Hey, this guy writes awesome reviews. You should check out his blog. Like, I'm like, Holy shit, man. And yeah. then wanting to come on my show. Like, like, it's just, it's cool. I never, a couple of years ago, man, I never thought I'd get to talk to writers and, and yeah. do a podcast. And, and it still shocks me every week when more and more people listen to the new episodes. I'm like, yeah. what is happening? This is crazy. Yeah. Well, it's well-deserved, man. I mean, if you, here's the thing is like, if you, if, if you do good work, people are going to notice. And um, it's the ultimate lesson for me. I mean, it's like, I, I'm a, I'm a guy who, I'm a guy who puts shit out there all the time. Right. And, and, and I know what it means to me when somebody out of the blue, you know, messages, or, I mean, it was like, I, I, you know, I, I read a couple of your reviews and, and, and that got me deep into your site. I'm like, this is, this is great shit. This guy's doing, you know, again, this is like, there's a certain level, you know, where this stuff usually, you know, lies and, and yours was, was well above that. You had your own voice and your own take. And it was, it was entertaining. It was, I was, I was, again, I was like, I mean, I think I told you when I, I, I wrote you a personal note and I, I, I said that I, I think that your review of the book was actually better written than the book, which, <laughs> which, which I appreciated, but no, you're wrong. You're that comic well, is yeah. stellar. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Regardless, it was, it was a great piece of writing that you did, but, um, but, but here's the thing is like, you know, I mean, as a guy who puts stuff out there, it's like, I mean, it, it means everything to me when, when, you know, again, like reading your review was, was amazing. And it was not just that it was, I mean, you wrote a very positive review of the, of the book, which, which, which is great. I mean, I, I, I like for people to say it's good, right. Um, <laughs> uh, you always want that. Right. Um, but you know, it's, Sometimes they say it's good, but you read it and they don't know why it's good or, or they didn't get it or they yeah. didn't. And reading your review, like you knew exactly you, everything that I was trying to do, like you saw, you know, you're like, oh, well, he was trying to do this. And this is good because he he swung for the fences and, and he, <laughs> he cleared he cleared the fence by a mile in, in, in this respect. Um, and so anybody that kind of takes that time and puts that thought into it and 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 they see the play that you called and they see that it went really well, like all of that shit means, uh, it means everything. It's, it's the reason you do it. Right. I mean, you know, if, if you can be putting out great work and if you don't get enough of that, then you may stop putting out work. Right. You're like, oh, no, nobody cares. I mean, this, is, this game, like the comic game, but the game that, that you're in any of these games, it's like, sometimes it can feel like you're shouting into the fucking grand Canyon. Right. Yeah. And, and if you don't hear anything back, like that's the soul food. And so, um, I mean, it's something that it's something that I subscribe to very early is that if somebody's doing great work, I, I, I go out of my way to to tell them 
but then to tell everyone, you know, and, and this should be, I think, a lesson for like anyone listening and any creator. I mean, you know, it, if you're listening out there, you know, if you are a creator, like there are other creators who you admire, go tell them, you know, if you are a fan, uh, uh, we creators are all available on fucking Twitter. So come <laughs> tell us that you're reading and that you like it. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, all of this stuff is like so critical and so important, like to the, 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 you know, to the fabric <laughs> of this business and to our souls. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that's important. And so, um, uh, I mean, it's what I, I, I try to do it. I mean, it, any book that I'm reading, um, I, I, I try and, you know, let people know how much I'm enjoying it. And I, I, I try to tweet it out and, and tell other people they should be reading it and, and all of that stuff. And that extends to, you know, great, uh, pop culture sites and review sites and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's it, it's it's great to hear. I mean, I'm I'm glad that your your dad got to read that. I'm glad that it meant that to him and meant that to you. And um, and yeah, I've been on the other end of that stuff, so that's that's great. So speaking of kind of going back to to comics in your career, so th- there's been a lot of a discourse over the last you know couple of years of of uh, uh, people like trying to get into comics as a means to get into screenwriting or having like a a failed script and forcing that into the comic book medium, which I mean, the format might be similar, but they're, you know, they're both different animals, you know, they're different animals that need different enclosures. And you seem to have kind of, I don't, you're not taking a step backwards, but like you're, you're where people want to be. Like you're making movies and you're in, you're, in Hollywood and, and you're, you know, you're, you're living that life. And, and now you've also, you also have a passion for comics. Like how did, like, how did that happen? Did, did you just like, did you just kind of know, like I have this story, but it's not going to fit on a, on a TV screen or a movie screen or like, like, I mean, you you mentioned you were passionate about comics in, in your youth, but I just, I feel like, I feel like something else, like some other kind of bug had to bite you to kind of like get you in a different zone. Yeah, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, a big question. I mean, there there are a couple of things that go into that. Um, uh, it is something that I have to overcome being a screenwriter first, is that there are so many awful screenwriters out there that have done that. Like, okay, well, I couldn't sell the script anywhere, so let me haphazardly turn it into a comics book and try and, you know, shop it around or jam it up people's asses, you know? <laughs> um, and and people can tell, you know what I'm saying? I mean, first of all, first of all, it's like, it, it, it is a really bad brochure for your movie scripts like it, i mean it costs you know tens of thousands of dollars to do one of these things and hundreds of hours you know mm-hmm. so so you can find a cheaper way to to pitch your movie go write a fucking short story or something like that <laughs> um uh but um you know but but, but that said it's like you know for, for me it was um god wh- where do i start with this so so when i wh- you know i get hired out of afi to, to to write that movie and um then i have a little heat right Um, and for the first couple of years that I was in Hollywood, like if you had a good idea, you wrote a spec script, which means, you know, you're writing a spec that nobody's paying you to write. You're just writing it and you're taking it out and hoping to sell it. And if your script was good, you sold it. Right. Um, that was just how the business worked. Um, and, uh, and so I, um, and so I did that for a few years, um, pretty successfully. And then the writer strike happened right around the time that the financial crisis hit mm. and it was like a meteor hitting fucking uh uh the business you know i think that's the second time i used the meteor metaphor but let's roll with it um and uh 
And um, so Hollywood like completely remade the way that they did business like overnight, you know? Um, and uh, and this coincides with kind of the age of, of IP where like you enter this, you know, this, this place in Hollywood where every movie they make needs to be based on something, right? Uh, a, a movie, a video game, uh, um, I, I, not a movie, a video game, a, a novel, a short story, a comic book, whatever. Um, and, um, and, you know, I had a couple of lean years there. I mean, basically what it meant was that original ideas weren't selling, you know? Mm. Um, uh, and, um, and so I had a couple of lean years there where it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm still trying to sell specs. Nobody's fucking buying them. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing that's happening is like, you know, Hollywood completely remakes the way they do business. Well, overnight they were making about a third as many films as they were, you know, the, the day before, um, they just, they, they doubled down on blockbusters. It's gotta be a huge movie. Um, when I was a kid, I saw Pulp Fiction and I, 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 I was blown away by it. And I'm like, I want to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I move out to LA, I get my snooty directing education at the American Film Institute. But by the time I'm spit out of there, Hollywood's not making Pulp Fiction anymore. Right. Um, and so, um, so, you know, I have a couple of lean years where I can't sell original ideas. And finally, you know, and, and look, I went to AFI with some really talented people who are now like back in fucking Pennsylvania selling insurance because like they couldn't adjust. Right. Um, I somehow get like hit with a lightning bolt and I'm like, well, if they want, if Hollywood wants IP, like, why don't I just give them IP? Right. <laughs> um, and so I'm looking at these ideas that I have that I know I can never sell as a movie. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, why don't I take this one? Uh, and I'll write it as a short story and I get my short story published and we take the short story out to Hollywood. And overnight, we have a bidding war. We have Justin Lin on one side uh, coming off of uh, Fast 6, um, uh, which was at that point the largest opening in the Universal summer history. And then we had uh, Robert De Niro and Brett Ratner on the other side. Um, we had uh, Tyler Perry coming off the top rope with an offer. And it was like, you know, it was this, this melee. Wow. We, we sell it in a big competitive situation. Um, and, you know, when I end up getting paid to write the movie based on the, the story, um, and, uh, my reps kind of thought it was a fluke, but I, I knew it wasn't a fluke. I was seeing where the business was going. And so just short and sweet, like I've done it six, seven, eight times with short stories, uh, 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 since then, um, I just sold a TV series to Lionsgate with, uh, David Diggs, who was like one of the stars of Hamilton and is the lead in the Snowpiercer TV series, uh, uh, sold a TV series to Lionsgate with, with, with the bead and, uh, with Emmy Raver Latman, who is one of the, uh, umbrella Academy stars. Um, so we're doing that there. And that was based on a short story. And, um, and so, um, and now, you know, the comic books are getting set up and everything. Um, and so that is not what you were talking about though. That is not taking a screenplay and trying to, trying to jam the square peg of the screenplay into the round hole of a comic book, right? Really what this was, was I realized as the town was changing that it was not enough to be a screenwriter anymore, right? right? Um, there were a lot of my friends who stuck to their guns and they were only screenwriters. And again, they all ended up in Pennsylvania selling insurance. <laughs> um, <laughs> those of us who survived adapted to how the town was changing. And so I realized okay. that, okay, well, I'm, I'm not a screenwriter. I am a writer. I am a storyteller. I had to become a writer of things. Um, and so that meant, you know, I have stories to tell, I have things to say. And so no matter what the medium, I just, I just adjust and I need to find the right story for that medium, or I need to find the right way to tell the story I want to tell in that medium. Um, 
I think when it goes wrong is when you don't adjust when it's like, okay, well, this is, this is clearly a movie that you're trying to, you know, get in square peg round hole. Um, and so, yeah, so I've, I've written a ton of fiction since then uh, that has been successful both as fiction and then as stuff that gets adapted uh, uh, into movies. Um, uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I've had a lot of meetings recently with um, NFT companies um, mm. uh, who are, um, who are trying to, uh, um, to, you know, to, I mean, they're, they're looking for me to tell stories in the, the NFT space and, um, and the talent that they're attracting. Uh, I, I think because of NDAs, I can't necessarily talk about who I'm, uh, who I'm working with, but it's like big time fucking Hollywood directors and big time television creators are coming in the NFT space and telling wow. stories because is because what's interesting there is that it, it, it is a new and very interesting, very complex way to tell a story. You're telling, you're building puzzle pieces that like fit together in a really weird and interesting way. And that's really, that's really intriguing to me. You know, that's really challenging. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I just need to, I just needed to go where the stories were. It's like, where are they going to, when you're a screenwriter, it's fucking awful. It's like the, the Hollywood Hills is full of people who are fucking filthy rich, uh, um, uh, uh, writing movies and fucking TV shows, but have never had their name on anything. Um, you know, and, and a lot of my career has been writing, you know, I mean, you see your average Hollywood blockbuster has had 15 writers work on it. Right. Uh, and, and, and I have, I, I have been one of those guys. <laughs> more often uh, uh, than not, and um, and so um, so yeah, there's that, and then you sell a script for a bunch of money, and it it buys you a nice house, but then it never gets made, and the studio owns the script, and it dies on a shelf, and nobody ever hears your story, and so yeah. um, so I spent a lot of time, a lot of my life, telling stories that no one is ever going to see for for various reasons, or that nobody is going to know that I had a hand in telling for various reasons. Um, and that fucking sucks. And so the idea of I have all these stories in my head that I want to tell, that I need to tell things that I need to say. And so the idea of getting those out there first is like, is, is, is very, is very kind of meaningful and necessary. So it's like the idea that no matter what, you know, you can go on Amazon and buy my short story collection or, or no matter what, you can read this fucking comic book or, okay. um, you, you know, and, and then if it ends up being a movie after that, um, then great. And in fact, like you have, you, you now have a better chance of it becoming a movie if it was a comic book or a short story first. <laughs> so do that. Um, and then they have to pay to write the script, but they also have to pay you to get the, to buy the comic book from you. And that ends up being a financial uh, uh, game. But that's an interesting thing. But so, so more importantly than this is, um, so Hollywood only makes five different kinds of movies right now. And they want them all written a certain way, right? And I got really good at writing those movies. They bought my house again. I can write those things in my fucking sleep. I can phone them in. Um, but it got really fucking tired, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I, I had done it for, you know, I don't know, 10 years, uh, uh, uh before I, I got into comic books and, um, and had had success, you know, by any measure of the word, but, um, but I was miserable, you know, <laughs> and, and I hate to be the guy who complains again about fucking getting paid to write movies, but like, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't being like, there was no soul food. I was not being fulfilled like spiritually by doing it. And I, I was just looking at it being like, dude, I don't know if I could do this for another 10 years. I don't know if I have it in me. Um, comics specifically saved my creative life because um, with comics, you can tell any kind of story you want to. You can tell it any sort of way. Um, as long as it's good, you will find an audience for it. You will find a publisher for it. Um, and so when I got into comics, um, I was coming from that place of, oh, I, am, I, I, I've been starved like creatively. <laughs> um, so let me, I, I, I made a pact with myself that I was never going to tell a straightforward story, that I was going to double down on experimental elements and telling playing with structure, telling a story out of order, 
for unreliable narrators, um, all kinds of fucking crazy. I mean, um, issue two of Banjax is told from the point of view of a man who hasn't slept in seven days and that's literally driving him <laughs> mad. And so uh, and so he's seeing all this fucking shit. We're, we're seeing everything th- through his point of view. We don't know what's real and what isn't, right? Um, Banjax as a series is, um, it's, a, it's kind of a Batman and Robin story. Like Batman goes crazy, Robin has to bring him in, Robin isn't up to doing it, right? Um, craziness ensues. Uh, the odd issues are told from the Batman's point of view. The even issues are told from the Robin's point of view, right? And so, and so, you know, uh, you're getting one man's very slanted take on events. And so in issue one, the Batman tells you, this is what happened. And then in issue two, Robin says, this is what happened. They're telling the same story, but it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and you are never given any definitive answers. You are as a reader left to sort out, okay, well, what actually did happen? What is the reality of this? Um, and everyone who reads it comes out with something a little bit different. Right. And that's like, that's fucking cool. That, that is like a, that's a interesting, challenging, you know, fulfilling experience. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, so it's like, um, so comics kind of saved my creative life. Like, I don't know if I would still be doing this if I hadn't have found this outlet. Right. And so this was comics. There's something I, I kind of needed to do. And, um, and it's my, I don't know, man, it's my fun time. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I look up, you know, I wake up and I, I'm not always looking forward to the, the film and TV stuff, even though like, I mean, I got a lot of cool stuff going on right now. So, so, it, you know, it's not, it's not like it was a few years back when I was kind of going through this crisis. Um, but, uh, you know, um, but yeah, but, but comics are always there for me and, um, I can always write whatever the fuck I feel like, you know? Um, and, um, and it's great when <sighs> comics are still tough, man. I mean, it's still like, <laughs> it is, it, it is, it can still feel like uh shouting to the Grand Canyon sometimes, but <laughs> again, like, you know, you, you read a review uh, and somebody gets it or you get that message from, you know, the soldier who was in Afghanistan and, and it was, it was meaningful to him and, you know, and, and that makes everything kind of worth it, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask if, if part of that intrigue was the freedom that, that comics give you which sounds like it was because, you know, there, I I don't want to call like, you know, like a cookie cutter, I feel like can be like an offensive term to some people and I don't want to offend anybody, but, but yeah, like the, you know, there is very much like a formulaic equation to, to big movies and to, to big comic book movies and to superhero movies and stuff, you know, like it's, you you can break them apart and they become very similar structurally. Uh, even though like, you know, there's different colors and different outfits and different superpowers, but there's so much similarities in them that I think people get really excited about and don't notice it. But when you like take another glance at it, you're like, man, all this shit's kind of the same. Um, but I, I have heard that before too, where like, uh seasoned seasoned writers and creatives in hollywood have have maybe learned to not get as excited but you know just because someone buys your script doesn't mean you're going to see it made and and yeah i mean when you when you take the money and sell the rights and then to just know that that's on a shelf somewhere whereas like when you make a comic book you get to hold it and see it and turn the pages other people get to hold it see it turn the pages and experience it like that I, that's cool like and i i was wondering if like that freedom cuz i feel like like you said man like there's there's comics for everything there's romance yeah. there's horror there's sci-fi there, and then there's blends of everything mm-hmm. and then and then there's you know of course like the superhero stuff and and your superhero comics are like like we just talked about banjax like dude banjax is fucking awesome like it blew me away <laughs> like you compare it to batman and robin but like 
Batman and Robin would never get to tell a story like that. Yeah, yeah. They kind of did that with Titans on TV, but but the fans got mad at it. They were like, nah, <laughs> Batman's dumb. Like, this is a new Batman. You know, like nerds are very unhappy and angry. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, like, yeah. And so, but yeah, I mean, just to that's I think your superhero stories are are very intriguing. And because you tell you tell good characters that are uh, that face like believable and universal or universal trauma that they have to deal with, which makes them, you know, relate to us as readers. I think you mm -hmm. have that going for you on, on like a large scale in your narratives. But I mean, just, I mean, your, your willingness to kind of get crazy with it, you know, where, where it's like, you know, you tell a military story, but add super soldiers in in a totally different way, like the the not Captain American way at all, you know, yeah. or the Batman and Robin story where Batman and Robin kind of fucking hate each other. And and they're both going crazy because these are these lives aren't sustainable. Like if superheroes yeah. were real, like you you can't wake up every day and and live for justice you're gonna break yeah. you know it's yeah. gonna break your your mental stability like over yeah. and over again and the comics don't uh, mainstream comics i feel don't deal with that a lot whereas yeah. the stories i've read from you that's like the fucking centrifugal force of the hurricane storm yeah. in your books man I, with the superhero stuff, I really try to look at like, okay, well, how would this actually play out? Right. You know, and, and, and you hit it right on the head. It's like, well, yeah, like absolute, you know, absolute power corrupts. Right. And so if you were, if, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but it's like, if I woke up with superpowers tomorrow, like I would most certainly be, I, I'm like a pretty decent guy. I would be a complete asshole. You know, like if I could, <laughs> you know, if I could just take anything and do anything like that's what would happen. Right. And so even, even the best of us is, you know, this, uh, you know, this perfect Captain America type doesn't, you know, that wouldn't exist in our, in our world. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's really interesting. And I, and I think that they, you know, they, they play with that a lot, you know, in, in, in the good versions of Captain America. But, um, you know, if, if, if we had a soldier who, um, you know, who woke up with superpowers again, it's like, he would, he would have, he would have seen some shit. He would have horrible PTSD. Mm -hmm. He would be, he would be angry at the world and he would want to, uh, he would want to fix certain things. Uh, and when people told him he couldn't, who's going to tell him he can't do anything. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's that. And, and, you know, with Banjax, it's like, okay, yeah, well, um, you know, it's like, well, again, not, not everybody who, who was blessed with superpowers would like, you know, the comic books we read, it's like, you're either a good guy or a bad guy. Right. Um, well, it's like, none of us are really like that. Everybody operates in this kind of ugly shade of gray for the most part. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, th those are who our heroes would be, you know? And it's like, I mean, the, I mean, Banjax was kind of like drunken brawler guy who like, who just tripped into fame, you know, he, he could hit harder, uh, and, and he could take damage. That's all he could do. But like, and, and he, um, he sort of got lucky. He like, you know, he beat up a bad guy and it ended up on, on, on TV and like, he became the toast of the fucking town, the toast of the world. Right. And, and again, that power corrupted him, but he was like, he was this horribly flawed human being who was sort of set up on this pedestal as like the ultimate hero. Right. Um, um, but he was never able to overcome all of those flaws, right? And and that's the interesting thing is like, I'm, I, I mean, I think what you're showing me in this interview, I mean, I, I love doing good interviews like this because like it always makes me, I mean, you know, an interviewer comes in with with his or her take on, on things and it, they make me flesh mine out. But it's like, I have a tendency to kind of, I don't know, like we have this, 
here are these archetypes that we're used to. And now let me like, you know, let me kind of empty out those vessels and pour some completely new shit into them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Let's, let, let's mess up. Let's see how it would actually be. Right. It's like, okay, well, well I'm, you know, I'm used to the Batman Robin dynamic. I'm used to the world putting a hero up on a pedestal. Like, um, but we're also used to that hero being a very good person and, uh, you know, with, with, with a code and very honorable and, and willing to run through a brick wall through people. And, and, but that's not how people are, right? Like we're, 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 we're scared and we're angry and we have pent up nonsense. And, and so let me fill those vessels with, with those things. And then let's see what would actually happen. Um, and of course, all hell's going to break loose, right? <laughs> if I had super, if I had superpowers, all <laughs> hell would break loose. Um, and it would be fun to watch and it would be terrible to watch. And it would be all of those things. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not like, um, there's a way in which these things are supposed to go, you know, and, and when I'm writing, that's, that's what I'm always conscious of is, okay, well, in the 12 versions of this that we've seen before, they took a right turn. And so I'm taking a hard left, like off this fucking cliff right now. And let's, let's hollow <laughs> the fucking moon and see what happens. And, and, um, and, you know, I think people are enjoying it. So I'm going to keep yes, doing it. You should keep driving off those cliffs. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, man, you, you've, you've got this like Grantian vibe in, in your narratives and it's, it's like, like, I, I almost want to call it charm, but it's like, it's more gritty than charm, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very, it's very real and raw and visceral and uh, something I don't see in, in a lot of, I, I read a lot of comics, man. I, I get, I get sent stuff all the time. I, I do a lot of work with Kickstarters and I'm lucky enough where, you know, people, people show me stuff that's coming out and I get to read a lot of the new indie work and, and your stuff very much stands out. Um, and, and you've got this really impressive writing background too. So it's, it's kind of like, it should, you know, like, no, you're not surprising anyone by standing out, but it's also like, you are surprising us, you know? Cause I, I, I mean, when I opened up suicide jockeys, I didn't know what to expect. Like I, I hate comic solicits. I know they're mm -hmm. necessary. I know that it helps you guys sell, you know, like I get why they're there, but yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes feel like they give a little too much away. Um, yeah. especially in, you know, like one paragraph, a text and a 22 page script, yeah. that's a lot of story that you're revealing, mm -hmm. uh, in that first issue. And so a lot of times, man, I liked, I like to just go in and just like, not know. And I was lucky enough to have that happen with, with suicide jockeys. And I was just like, I was like, what? robots uh ships are connecting uh power rangers like you know like so every couple months um uh late at night i will ebay power ranger toys that i wasn't able to get as a kid because nice, i yeah. love that you know and I, I like fantasize about buying these stupid expensive like toys from my childhood so like yeah, yeah. you hit me with this nostalgia and then yeah. you <laughs> oh you're about to yeah i mean it's they're they're, they're everywhere I, I you know do that same thing my walls are just lined with shit like you I, have I like have a, a really of... cool ghost like a ghostbuster you were posted that on instagram too the other or yesterday or something right like you have like old high c boxes and stuff like uh yeah i mean i i, I got a lot of a lot of crazy shit but, but yeah I, mean, I have all the shit that i have most of the shit that i played with when i was a kid and then like you there was the shit that you couldn't get a hold of you know that that uh and i went out and got that stuff too but yeah that's that's i i interrupted you with my craziness but sorry no, about that, that. like well I, I'm, I'm glad it's not just me like i'm glad yeah. i'm not like the 35 year old who's like looking at toys online like <laughs> wishing i could buy them. which is funny because yeah. as a kid i think so i was in like second grade when the first wave of power ranger toys came out and everybody wanted yeah. them no one could get the green ranger no one could get dragon sword yeah. like they were nowhere 
And like, I think one kid in my school had one and I'm pretty sure his parents like fought people at Toys R Us to get it. Um, Like, like there was, there was blood on the hands of the people that bought this action figure. And and it's funny because like now it's like, we couldn't get him then. And then like, I'm looking at like the Green Ranger Dragonzoid, like even if the box is open, like you're still looking at like 200 bucks and it's like, I still can't get this motherfucker. God damn it. Like, you know, (laughs) Bad, bad time to buy now. Everything like, you know, the prices and everything went crazy. Uh, uh, with yeah. us all locked inside so um yeah the, the prices on everything are up like 25 to 50 percent now so <laughs> this is literally the worst time to buy the dragon's art so I'll, I'll remember that i'll just i'll just keep i'll keep looking at it waiting for yeah. the waiting for the price to drop but but yeah, yeah so, so i mean like like suicide jockeys like it just made me feel like so much um the nostalgia is a kid the excitement is a kid um adult me wrestling with mistakes that i've made with how i wish my life was different sometimes like you hit me with so much in a 22 page premiere issue like how could i not review it as best as i could for one because i mean it's just a really great premiere like i'm so glad that in new york right now which i know we would both love to be there uh, like like a lot of people but I'm so glad there's this iconic 10 foot display of suicide jockeys. I'm so glad everybody's like wearing that cover around their neck, man. Like, cause you deserve like that story deserves that you, you deserve it. You seem like a really, really good positive dude. And like the, you know, some people get a lot of success and I feel like the, the world that we live in, a lot of people get, get rich and famous and, and a lot of credit that they sometimes don't deserve. And it's really cool to meet and talk to people that put the work in that, that worked really hard, that sweated out that blood, you know, that, and, and, and put that blood onto paper and made it happen. Like that's a beautiful thing. And that, and it, and not everybody can, not everybody can do it and not everybody can do it well. And, and you, and you did, man. And, and you're like humble about it too. You're like, you know, you're, you, you I don't know. You're just, you're a cool dude. I, I, ate, I, ate, I ate shit in Hollywood for 15 plus years. <laughs> and that doesn't make you humble, man. I, 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 I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I just wake up and I, I put my pages together and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, tickled when, when people uh, respond to them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, again, like, um, you know, when, when, when people like them, that's one thing, but when people like get them, yeah. uh, when people like, when they're meaningful to people, uh, that's when it's, that's, you know that that's what i'm here for um i mean that's uh and it's like you know i mean that's the that's the real beauty of this is being able to kind of like just just move people even if it's just like a you know i'm not saying like these books are going to change anybody's fucking life but you know uh, you know i'm not talking about moving people like 100 miles or even a mile i'm saying like if you can move somebody in an inch mm-hmm. you know an inch in in 22 pages or whatever like that's awesome you know sometimes that's like the difference between whatever a, a good day and a shitty day or like <laughs> you know a a a leap off a fucking you know bridge or not sort of day. I mean, I've been there, yeah. right? You know, um, uh, you know, growing up was not easy. Like fucking TV and comics saved my fucking life. You know, it was, um, uh, you know, I grew up not with the best examples around me. If I followed those examples, who knows where I would fucking be. But like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I learned right and wrong. Uh, you know, I learned drive and leadership from fucking Captain Picard, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and so if not for that stuff, like I would not be me, I would not be where I am right now. Um, and so uh, that's like a tremendous response right like like you know the people that consume this shit like it's you know it, it can and should and it sort of must be meaningful to them right and so 
that's just what I'm trying to do. You know, even if I'm just giving them a fucking, a little drop, you know, and, and not the entire ocean. So, um, so that's awesome. There's like an immortality in that. I mean, the idea that, you know, whatever, like, you know, 50 years from now, like my, my, my daughter's kids can go to whatever the version of Amazon is. We'll find out Jeff Bezos was actually immortal and yeah. he'll still be around not paying his yeah. workers enough. <laughs> yeah. Amazon universal, you know, whatever conglomerate uh, it is uh, uh, at that point. Um, and, you know, the idea that they'll still be able to read this shit and be like, oh, yeah, wow, this guy was, uh, you know, this guy was out there in, 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 in the best way. <laughs> uh, uh, that's kind of awesome, you know, so, um, so, and more than that, it, you know, it beats, it beats fucking working, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so i get to i i get I, you know i i make my living making up fucking stories you know uh about robots and soldiers and superheroes and you know whatever else um so no you're you're uh, definitely living the dream man like and but like i said you worked for you know you again you're being humble like but you you get to you get to write stories for a living but like you 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 went to school for it uh you 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 like you ate shit in hollywood for many years for it like you didn't just like wake up and roll out of bed and were given this opportunity you know and so and i i think that hard work shows in, in your narratives i i do have a question that yeah, i yeah. don't i don't want to throw because we've talked about banjax a little bit and i, I don't want to like throw people under the bus or anything but <laughs> you know like some stuff happened with that publisher and yeah, yeah. Okay. and um i i was not uh expecting to like have that rug like swept out from under me and have just yeah. have that trade be over and i was like oh no and then i thought about it more and i was like oh fuck no like I'm just, are you going to be able to, or would you even want to go back to that world one day to finish the story or like, yeah, I mean, your fingers on the pulse of something. Uh, uh, we're, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So Banjax was, or it was originally, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was imagined as two trades. So, mm -hmm. eight, you know, eight, eight total issues. And it's not, it's not to say that you can't tell more stories in that world. That was the whole point is like, create a world that you can tell, you know, a hundred issues in, but, um, but let's do, you know, two, four issue trades. Um, mostly I got busy with a lot of other shit, you know? Um, I mean, obviously these, these other comics that have come out, but, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, you know, fucking, I mean, movies and, you know, TV crap and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, but then, uh, Banjack was, was nominated for four Ringo awards. It was, and, and it was nominated for best series alongside Bitterroot and, uh, something Killing the children. So like, you know, I mean, obviously like, <laughs> obviously it's a solid story. So like, so let's do more there. Um, but yeah, short and sweet. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, trouble with action lab and we don't need to go that uh, deep into that, but, um, I sort of broke this on my podcast, uh, in a very small way yesterday. W when is this going to air? Um, I think it might air the 24th. 24th. Okay. So, so this will air after that, but, um, but this is the second time I'm talking about it. Uh, Banjax is back home. So, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, you, so you, got, I, you got your baby back. I, yeah, I got my baby back. Um, I have not posted it on uh, social media just yet, but there is a, 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 a picture of a very delighted me standing on a standing on top of a pallet of like a thousand pounds of Banjax books that were delivered <laughs> to my house um, uh, earlier this week. And so, yeah, it's back home and um, more to come. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, I can't talk about all the ins and outs of like when but you'll see four more issues at least nice um i'm trying to decide 
I mean, I would love to take it to the Kickstarter uh, community first um, in a very interesting way, you know, some, um, uh, you know, some, some, some different series one variants. I mean, we did, people went crazy for our variants. We had like a, we had a, um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of known for my, my variants. I don't know if I'm famous or infamous for them. Like the, <laughs> you know, we did some great ones with suicide jockeys. We have the, the roadhouse variant for issue one. We did a bullet variant for, for issue two. Issue three is a top gun variant. Issue nice. four, issue four is a really amazing Mr. T serial variant that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, but, <laughs> but, but, but Banjax, like we, we did a Rocky four variant for, for, um, Baltimore comic con during the Ringo awards that everybody went crazy for. And we did a gremlins variant that was a San Diego comic con exclusive that everybody went crazy for. And so, um, so there was a long tradition of great variants, uh, with these books, but, um, so I would like to do a Kickstarter, I mean, you know, still a lot of people in the Kickstarter community who have not been introduced to Banjax. So uh, I have, you know, I have about 1400 trades that I own right now. <laughs> so, um, so let's move some of those on Kickstarter, but then let's like, let's do like the Banjax blowout. Let's get like amazing cover artists to come in and do like, you know, do, 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 uh, you know, limited edition variant covers for issue one and stuff like that. Let's go crazy. Um, and you know, let's have a Banjax party and then l let's let that fund the art on, on the, the second series and then bring the second series out. And so, um, there are, there are, uh, other publishers, great publishers who are, who are interested in reprinting the first series of Banjax and, and then, you know, having exclusive, uh, rights on the, on the second, uh, series. Awesome. And so. I'm just trying to figure out where it makes sense to do that and if it makes sense to crowdfund first or something like that. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, more, more, more to come on that. And, um, and so, so yeah. And, and, uh, I'm looking forward to posting that picture. <laughs> there, 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 there are a lot of people that are still, um, trying to pull their books out of uh out of that that pile of rubble uh yeah. over there um and um i'm trying to be kind of sensitive to uh their struggles um and i worry that i worry how how a picture of me standing atop a pallet of books uh uh will be interpreted because um uh, my story is very different than theirs. Um, yeah. I mean, right now this publisher is asking these people to pay like a, a, a horrible sum of money to buy their stock back mm -hmm. um, in order, in, in order, like they have to buy all their stock back in order to get their property back. And so if I post this pallet picture, it's going to look like I did that. And I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's, and it would look like I, I'm not supporting them and their struggle against all that. Yeah. Um, and here's, and here's the thing is I'm still right in the boat with them on, on, uh, on Aberrant. So, um, so it's not like that. Um, but Banjax was a different, um, I had a different contract with Banjax. I was coming from a different place. And so, uh, so Banjax is back. Um, yeah. On a bouncing off that, has your time in in Hollywood like? Do you know how to negotiate? Like, did did that help you negotiate contracts better to kind of yeah. avoid nastiness of stuff like we're like you know predatory deals and stuff like that? Like, or I'm I, or does that or do you just like do do people just need to like budget a lawyer? Like, or, or I'm, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, just, it, it, people talk yeah, about it, that a lot lately. Yeah, it can really help to go for a lawyer. You know, in fact, we um, uh, if you go, um, if you if you look at my podcast, if you go to um, uh, the Writer's Block uh, podcast with you know uh, David Avalonian and Rylan Grant, 
it's on iTunes or uh, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. Anywhere you get your ear crack, you can get it. Wherever you're listening to this lovely podcast, you can also get my podcast. But <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, we did a um, we did a deep dive episode with a guy named Thomas Crow, who is a a, a comic law specialist. He um, he you know does workshops at New York Comic Con, and um, he's a wizard at the shit. And we go through all of the ins and outs of what you need to look for in a contract and stuff like that. So cool. that is a great resource. If you're a creator uh, uh, looking for that, or a would-be creator, or whatever, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I've, I've dealt with entertainment contracts for, you know, again for for years before I, I did this. Um, I have entertainment lawyers that helps. Most people mm. don't and can't afford them or whatever. So, so that was a thing. I was also coming from a place of um, of strength because my business for like the last eight years has been creating IP and setting it up in Hollywood, and so so. I bring something to the table. You know, I'm not, I'm not random creator in North Dakota or whatever, who doesn't, you know, I, I I'm saying like, look, I, there's a better chance that I set this up in Hollywood than you. So I need these terms. Um, and a smart company is like, okay, well, that's a win for us. So let, you know, let us do that. And so, so yeah, I mean, that, that's an entire episode to itself. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I would say the main thing is like, don't sign any contract that doesn't have like a expiration date on it. Mm. Um, uh, a lot of the problem with, with the action lab contract is that, uh, you know, they, they own your rights forever per their wow. standard contract. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not cool and that's not okay. And any company worth its salt will not do that to you. If you sign a scout comics contract, it's a, it's a five-year deal. And okay. at the end of five, at the end of five years, you guys come back to the table and if anybody wants to bow out, they can bow out. Um, and then it's, it, you know, and then it's your, you're taking your rights back. Right. Um, and so that's the most important thing. Um, you know, and then there are a lot of other, you know, intricacies about how clear and transparent the accounting needs to be and what, what happens when there was a breach of contract and all, and, and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, that's, a. Uh, that is a that is a show in and of itself. I will come back sometime, <laughs> and you and I can have the uh, the, the two hour long uh, contract powwow. Um, I don't want to I don't want to cut things short, but uh, I, I'm I'm probably gonna have to get back to my daughter. Here. Oh no, yeah, five, we're five, we're, running, so cool. we're running yeah. on hour cool. and forty, man. Like you, okay, you've cool, given cool. me yeah. tons of time and tons of cut. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. I I interviewed. I, I, I could talk. I could talk to you for like four more hours. That's you. Like, you that's are a good. Problem, you're a good but, talker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I am. Verb- I am. I'm quite verbose. Uh, uh, that, that that is a big problem. Is that you know. Uh, I think you've talked for about 10 minutes of that, that, that hour and 40 minutes. Uh, but, but yeah, the, uh, my, my five-year-old, I can hear her climbing the walls out there. So, and, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. I I'm usually worried. I talk too much in interviews. So this was, this oh. was good. And you were on my buddies do pink buzz and you were on the pink buzz a couple weeks ago. And yeah. I listened, I listened to you and I was like, I was kind of, I was kind of getting ready. I was like, all right, we got to like be able to like, pop in every now and then and just kind of talk about certain things. And so like, I, I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> God, that's funny. Did, did you, did you watch the video or did you listen to it? I watched uh, it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because uh, so, so you watched it. Yeah. So, so at the end, uh, talk about my five-year-old climbing the walls at the end of that, that interview ends because my five-year-old blasts her way yeah. in my office and literally starts climbing me like a tree. So, so, yeah, so you're, like, it, it, you're like, well guys, I guess I gotta go. <laughs> well, no man, I, I, like this was so cool like um talking to you was awesome like the the brain in your head sir is uh, your the the talent the knowledge your your industry knowledge of both like hollywood and just comic them like it was a, it was a pleasure i learned a ton i i, I know my readers are, or my readers my listeners are going to learn a lot or or unless they're just 
super pig-headed, but if they are, fuck them. No, just kidding. Yeah, fuck you guys. Just kidding. Leave me a good <laughs> review, share, like, subscribe. But uh, <laughs> um, Ryland, uh, so, I mean, obviously, everybody needs to go out and buy Suicide Junkies. Um, one and two. Great, great movie variants uh, that we talked about that your that your comics are notorious for, and that trend is continuing. Um, super glad that uh, that Banjax is is in Daddy's hands, and that that's yeah, a possibility for the future. Um, tell everybody where's the best place to find you. Where's the best place to learn about all all your shenanigans, uh, movie, short story, comics, whatever you got coming out. Yeah, I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. So um, yeah, at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. Um, yeah, the uh, the Ringo uh, award-winning Aberrant and the four-time Ringo-nominated Banjax are available in fine comic shops everywhere uh, and via Amazon and Comixology. Um, and uh, as we talked about, look for more Banjax uh, down the road, uh, not, not too far off. Um, my Kickstarter books, uh, the Astral Projection Thriller, The Jump, and the Fargo-esque crime drama, The Peacekeepers, uh, can be had now via Backer Kit. If you go to um, The Jump 2, backerkit.com that's the jump one word um and the number two the jump two dot backerkit.com uh you can get those there um but then also it's like a really good one-stop Ryland grant shop like you can um you know you get signed copies of aberrant banjax there uh which um you know i i don't i'm not doing cons now because of you know the the craziness that's happening and then uh even when i do cons i'm kind of stuck doing the, the socal cons so mm. i don't get out much unless they like nominate me for an award or something <laughs> um uh just because i have this day job and i have this five-year-old that i like to spend time with so um, so good place to get signed books from me. Uh, you can also get, uh, most of those crazy, uh, con variants that we were talking about the, uh, you know, the Banjax, uh, Gremlins cover, the, the Rocky four cover, all that stuff. So, um, and yeah. And then of course, suicide jockeys one and two available in comic shops now. So run out and fucking get it. And, uh, issue three is the best one by far. It's going to blow your fucking doors off. So, uh, um, coming in a couple of weeks, uh, might be out by the time that this is, uh, this is out there. So I don't know, go get it. It's awesome. I love it. Well, that, That's exciting. Cause th there's already no doors on this vehicle, man. Cause you blew the <laughs> fuck off already. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's we're, awesome. we're taking the, we're taking the tires out this time. It's not going to be a working vehicle. After <laughs> yeah. this. Your car's fucked. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you're going to be just stranded in a pool. of Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ryland again, dude, like, uh, any future Kickstarters, anything Blake's buzz can ever do for you if i if you need a fucking babysitter man if you're in kansas city for some reason uh i'm i'm here for you um i'm excited to uh get future issues or whatever you put out i appreciate the kind words you've given me uh the information um that we learned uh i, I mean talking about meditation and stuff was cool man like i love it when we can talk about life and weirdness and things beyond comics i think I think it's cool to get into your guys' heads like that. I wish you the best, dude. And, and uh, you know, ex ex I'm excited for issue three of Suicide Jockeys. I I'm like number one Suicide Jockeys fan, man. I love that shit. <laughs> love it. Thanks for having me. I will, uh, I, will, I will happily be back. I had a great time talking to you. And uh, go make a fucking comic book, huh?